Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team welcome to the this week in Rays baseball podcast here's your host neil solons well we certainly appreciate you joining us this week it's been a busy week for the Rays with spring training opening for pitchers and catchers and most of the position players already in camp and joining us right now mark topkin of the tampa bay times who's been through all of it with us and uh, mark let's start with chris archer you know we know he's a leader for this team he certainly has been in the headlines this last week for a couple of different reasons. Yeah, really, just on Sunday alone, Neil, he made um, you know kind of headlines on two national stories, and, and uh, we'll start maybe with the one that created a little bit more uh, debate, which was a couple of the young pitchers uh, came into the clubhouse Sunday morning for the first day, about 8.30 or so, and uh, they didn't know any better, and, and yet Chris took it upon himself to point out that you know while coming in at 8.30 for a 9 o'clock meeting might be good in other places, that that's not how the Tampa Bay Rays do things or with their starting pitchers. And, you know, he very clearly pointed out the legacy that's been here, the legacy of hard work, and that legacy includes arriving early. James Shields did it. David Price did it. Alex Cobb does it. Chris Archer does it. And he made it known, and, and maybe he could have handled it a little better, maybe not doing it publicly, you know, as some would suggest. But, you know, he got his message across, and, and I will say this, and uh, Jake Faria and Blake Snell, the two players that he singled out, handled it incredibly well, and they actually thanked him for, for pointing out they didn't know any better. But it was definitely, to me, an example of, of Chris Archer further exerting his leadership and, and setting a tone. You know, in, in a way, I think that message can ripple through the whole clubhouse that you know everyone in here is going to have to be willing to work hard, be willing to sacrifice, be willing to come in. I think there were multi-layers to that message. Yeah, and you and I were both there, and we witnessed it, and I thought it was fairly calculated on, on Chris's part. I mean, he could have done it behind closed doors. He chose not to. But I think, look, the fact that the two players arrived the next day at 7 a.m., message sent, message received? I think so. And I, I don't know if I would agree with you that it was calculated, but I do think – I think it was impulsive, and I, I, I don't think it bothered him that the media was there. And, you know, maybe the perfect solution would have been he could have said to those guys – hey, 8.30, that's not how we do it around here. Let's talk about this later, or we need to talk about this later. And I actually had a further conversation with Chris on Monday, and, and he you know, kind of said, yeah, that probably is the better way to do it. But bottom line, Chris Archer is going to be who he is. He's a tremendous pitcher. He's a very personal person. He's a very much uh, a leader, and he wants to show that. And, and he did right there that day, that moment. And sometimes you know, when he exerts his leadership or impacts people in the community, I don't think he realizes – what a positive impact he has, and he did 
this week with a story that I think probably deserves even more attention than the the, in the other one uh, involving Jake Furry and Blake Snell, and that's uh, the fact that he had an impact on on a family achieving adoption for a teenage boy. He he really you know talking to the, to the uh, leaders at the Heart Gallery, the agency that facilitated this adoption, they said that it is because of Chris Archer that this family is together now, and it was a tremendous story. And and just to kind of stumble across it really on Sunday. Uh, the young teenage boy who lived in the Pinellas County area w- was here. His adoptive family was here. They live up in the Niceville, Florida area, up in the northwest part of the state. And uh, it really all came down to a visit last year. Um, this young man named Zachary was involved with the Heart Gallery, which tries to get adoptions. They pick a different uh, one of their kids every year to kind of feature in a promotional campaign. They pick Zachary. Teenage kids are obviously tougher to, to get adopted, to find forever families for and when they found out that Zachary played baseball, they thought, well, they have a connection with the Rays. It actually goes back to James and Ryan Shields. And their idea was, let's see if we could get him down to spring training just to kind of have a day in camp kind of moment. And then the Rays, to their credit, paired young Zachary up with Chris Archer, who had been adopted, has his own very interesting personal background. They hit it off tremendously well. Chris really kind of explained to Zachary, you know, the benefits of adoption. They filmed a little bit of a video this ends up becoming part of the story because this this family living up in in northwest Florida had kind of decided in their hearts to make a teenage adoption. They were empty nesters, and they were having trouble. They weren't really being able to find a match. They didn't find a kid they were comfortable with. They were beginning to doubt maybe it wasn't you know the right thing to do. They stumble across this video that Chris and Zachary did. It's a tremendous match. Everybody hits it off. Uh, Zachary moves up there in August, spends six months up there, and this all comes full circle. They're here in Port Charlotte this past week with Chris. They meet Chris. They talk to Chris. They have the adoption ceremony on Monday, and they are now a family. Pretty cool. In fact, I think it would be hard to fathom a story being a better one in camp this year, but we'll continue to look for them as we will in the next six weeks. And look, one of the stories this week was a couple of injuries. Uh, Justin O'Connor wasn't fighting for the starting catching spot. He wasn't even fighting for a major league roster spot. But he's going to lose an opportunity with a back injury that will sideline him. And maybe bigger, I guess we'll find out. We hope it's not serious. But Steven Souza Jr. sidelined for a few days before the returning players or the position players are scheduled to officially report. Yeah, and just to talk about Justin O'Connor first, Neil, and, and you're right. He wasn't in the picture. He wasn't going to be on the big league team. But he's taking up a 40-man roster spot. He's a former first-round pick. He's yet He's got to the double-A level, has yet to really succeed there, and you know, this is the kind of opportunity for a player where he has to show the staff, especially the major league staff, in that limited window to see them what skills he has so that if they do have a couple injuries at the big league level, they can say, hey, go get me Justin O'Connor. We know him rather than going outside the organization. So he's going to lose that window. He'll probably be out the whole spring. And he's also going to get a little ribbing because, you know, the way he explained the injury, he said it happened while he was driving 16 hours down from Indiana. So to herniate your disc, on the golf course, on the baseball field, in a car accident is one thing, but while you're driving, so there'll be some teasing there. Uh, the Steven Souza situation, obviously much more relevant to the big league team. We've all heard this so many times when a player gets hurt. They don't think it's serious. They don't expect to be out long. It shouldn't be a problem, but, you know, reality is Steven Souza with a, a muscle pull, an intercostal muscle between a couple of ribs there, you know, he does have the benefit of not even, you know, they're not even in camp yet till Friday, and he can certainly take his time to get back, the Rays aren't going to care if he's on the field Friday or Saturday or not. But, you know, just after all they went through last spring and all the words that they exhausted this winter about how they hope to be healthy, they hope to be healthy, to see a key guy in the lineup hurt on the first day when he wasn't – not even his first day yet, it, it didn't set a good tone. Which, I guess, gets us to depth, and it's a good thing the Rays have it. And 
you know, one of the guys who you wrote a, a really good story about in the Tampa Bay Times is James Loney. He came into camp, as you reported, in very good shape uh, and looks like he's ready to try and do everything he can to prove he should be on this big league roster. Well, or at least to prove he should be on somebody's big league roster, Neil. And, and you know, I think looking at it, it still doesn't seem like he's going to fit. I mean, the Rays went out and got Logan Morrison, and they went out and got Steve Pierce. And it still could have worked at that point. But when they traded for Corey Dickerson, I think, to me, that, that sealed off where there's just no room for James Lowe. You know, everyone has to be healthy, and the Rays would probably be wise to wait. If Steven Souza were to be you know, out for an extended period of time, they could change their plans. Steve Pierce could go to the outfield. Logan Morrison could go to the outfield. And James Loney could stay and play first base. So there's different ways that could work. But realistically, I think that, you know, the move that will be made at some point this spring, and, and maybe even the first week or two of the season, they've got the ability, you know, with their schedule to not need a fifth starter initially. So they could even carry an extra position player. But I think they're going to see what happens, you know, with their own team injury-wise and also with the other teams around baseball. If they see an opportunity to trade James Loney, I still feel in my heart that's what they're going to do. One guy we know who is going to be here is Kevin Kiermeyer, And I think probably to me the most interesting thing that he said, and I'm not talking about him having a girlfriend because uh, I actually knew that already, was the fact that he wants to play every day and wants to play 155 games as a starter this year. Um, he really is, I think, wants to prove that he can hit left-handed pitching and be an everyday guy. I think he does, Neil, and the fact that you knew that Kevin Kiermaier had a girlfriend before the rest of us does not surprise me at all. You are on top of everything. You've got every tidbit down. But, yeah, I, I thought, to me, Kevin Kiermaier, and, and not really even that subtly, delivered a pretty strong message when he when he walked in the clubhouse on Monday. And, and basically, you know, in saying that he wants to play every day, he thinks he's earned the right, he's proven himself. It'll obviously be up to Kevin Cash and Derek Shelton in the front office to, to make those decisions. But... You know, Kevin Kiermaier throwing it out there on the first day, I, I think that was very clear uh, what he believes he's capable of doing and what he wants to do. Some interesting stories to follow for the next six weeks. Mark Topkin will be following all of them, and we certainly appreciate him joining us on our latest podcast. Thanks for a few minutes. Always a highlight, Neil. You're definitely one of the top seven or eight podcasts I've ever been on. Wow. That is flattering. You know, also flattering is what some have had to say about righty pitcher Jamie Schultz, a non-roster invite to Major League Camp. Schultz throws 95-plus and led all raise minor leaguers in strikeouts last year. And I asked him what it meant to be invited to his first big league camp. I got a call about maybe a month ago from uh, Mitch Lukovich, and it just means so much. I mean, this is what everyone works for, and to get a chance to be up here with these guys and just learn as much as you can is, is a great feeling. Were you surprised at all? Were you expecting you had a pretty good year in Double A? Uh, I think it's something you definitely can't expect. Um, yeah, like a lot of people told me, I've had a good year, and you know, you always try to get a little better each year. And it, it was a good year for me, I think. But there's always room for improvement, and that's why we're here. What's the biggest thing you're hoping to get out of your first major league camp? Uh, I just want to get adjusted to this lifestyle and how how much more competitive it is here and I mean it's such a different level of play and especially with like all these guys that have been here this long you know just trying to soak in a little bit from each guy there are a lot of obviously talented pitchers in the race system I mean you look at the rotation Archer Moore Smiley Odorizzi are there certain guys you want to pick their brain are you a guy who asks or just kind of watches and observes what's your general approach when you're with guys um, I definitely watch and observe, and I think that there is a time to ask a lot of questions, and I'm not one to 
go out of my way to like you know really talk to them but i mean if the opportunity arises and we're just hanging out having a chat i mean you definitely got to pick everyone's brain here that you can you're with some guys who you're familiar with blake snell jake faria taylor guerreri all talented in their own right and you all spend some time with them in double a how competitive are the group of you in terms of trying to help each other grow and and move up the ladder yeah i mean definitely we we have our conversations about how what little things we do and how to make a little better change and just especially like with a talented young young crew like this in the Rays organization it's great just to get to know those little things that they do and I mean everyone's very competitive and you're all gunning for the same spot but at the same time that's your that's your brother I mean you came up together and you've known each other for four or five years now so it's just a great feeling to be with these guys what um people haven't seen you uh your mid-90s guy with a big breaking ball is those be your strengths uh yeah I think so I mean I really like to throw the breaking ball and obviously I like to throw the fastball but I mean yeah I guess you wouldn't really see that if you looked at me but I mean I got a lot to prove out here so just got to keep working every day and working on different pitches you led the Southern League in strikeouts last year. You also led the league in walks. So what are the areas that you want to grow this year? What did you get out of double-A ball last year? Uh, I definitely learned that you have to pitch more than anything than instead of just throwing. But um, I really want to work on cutting the walks down, obviously. And, I mean, if that comes with lowering the strikeouts, I mean, so be it. I mean, it's something you got to do is lower pitch counts and go deeper in the game for a team. You're obviously not a terribly big guy in terms of stature and you you know you weren't the high draft pick of a Guerrero or a or a Snell does do you carry a chip on your shoulder I mean I don't mean that in a, I mean that in a positive sense to help drive you and say hey I'm going to prove people that I can do this that a smaller guy can be a starting pitcher and things of that nature yeah I think definitely I mean there's there's a lot of teams that outright said that they wouldn't draft anyone that's under six foot and is a pitcher and it, it kind of stings a little bit but at the same time you gotta be thankful that the Rays thought that I could do this and they thought I could be here so I'm just happy to be with this organization and get out to play baseball every day and the Rays certainly are happy to have Jamie Schultz in camp and with the Rays organization now we go from the heart-throwing Schultz to the knuckleballer Eddie Gamboa who signed with the Rays as a minor league free agent this offseason and I asked Eddie what drew him to the Rays. Well, I was fortunate um, in the International League. We played a lot against Durham, and um, it just so happened that I pitched a lot against them. So they were able to see me a lot and um, and see my style of pitching and, you know, them having the confidence in me to to keep moving on with this knuckleball. Um, you know, it, it obviously that's there's no more attraction you need than that, you know, having somebody have the confidence in you to, to, with your profession and, and you know enough to like you and, and want to sign you, that was enough for me. One of the new pitching coordinators in the organization is Charlie Hager. He got to the big leagues, he throws a knuckleball. Did that factor at all into your decision? And did you know it at the time you were signing? You know, I knew at the time that he was here. Um, I mean, does it play a little factor? Yeah, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. But, um, you know, just having somebody with experience... Uh, with the knuckleball, I had Phil Negro before. I've got gotten to talk to um, Stephen Wright and Ari Dickey. So, um, you know, I mean, it's a small little fraternity that that we all stay in touch. Um, and having him as a as a pitching coach here um, for everybody, but um, but you know, again, having that understanding of the knuckleball 
um, obviously is a, is a huge factor for, for, for myself. How did it start? How, what was the evolution of you actually throwing it and, and using it now on a regular basis? You know, I was just a, a normal guy, uh, 6'1", righty, throwing 88, 91. Um, nothing really stood out. And uh, for me to make that jump, I had to find a way to stand out and be unique, be different. And, um, you know, with me, it was the, the, the butterfly pitch. And uh, I've, been, I've been fortunate to, you know, have been able to throw it for the last three years and, and still learning every day. When did you actually start? Because I had read that, did you actually fool around with it even as a teen? Or, or you just started throwing it when you, when you decided, hey, I need to do something different? No, I mean, I, I've always thrown it since the age of 12. I've been able to throw it. And, um, you know, it was, um, it was like I said, just something something I had in my back pocket just in case. I didn't realize it was going to happen so fast. Um, but, uh, but you know, again, I'm fortunate to have a job. I'm, I'm happy to, to be able to throw this pitch and, and be be something different, um, you know, not only with the Rays but in, in, in baseball as well. Who or what's the best advice you've gotten about it? Um, you mentioned you learned from Phil Necro that he's helped you, that Ari Dickey, that Stephen Wright. What's been most helpful? Because it's a pitch that's hard to predict. Yeah, I mean, everybody everybody that I've spoken to that, that has toyed around with the knuckleball um, has, has taught me one small piece that's huge for me right now. Uh, Blaine Beatty, you know, told me to stick with it and, and throw it every day. He was a, our, my pitching coach in AA with uh, the Bowie Bay Sox. Um, Phil Necro really taught me how to stay mentally tough with it. Um, Ari Dickey showed me how to stay in line with it, have everything go forward. And, um, and you know, just speaking with, uh, with Charlie, um, you know, with different pitching grips. And, and you know, having him here is, is going gonna, gonna to help me a lot with, with, uh, with my career. And, again, you know, not so much I came here for him because of him, but, uh, but having him here is obviously a big, a big factor for me. You got your first call-up last year, but you didn't pitch. What was that whole experience like? Because it's, I wouldn't call it the Moonlight Graham, for, for if those have seen the Field of Dreams movie, but what, is, what was that whole experience like? You know, it was, being a 31-year-old rookie knuckleballer, um, you know, you always dream of that first time being called up to the big leagues and, and experiencing that whole you know, you, you've seen the rookie, you know, where he's in the bullpen. You know, same thing every time the phone rang, you know, your heart stops a little bit. Uh, I wasn't fortunate to go in, but uh, but just to kind of get my feet wet with the guys up there, knowing, you know, that's where I want to be, and, uh, and that's kind of what you're pushing forward to is, is to get to the highest level in baseball and compete and try to stay there. We certainly wish Eddie Gamboa the best in getting that chance with Tampa Bay. Now, Gamboa breaking into the majors with the Rays would be quite a story, but an even bigger story, at least this week in camp, as I discussed with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, was the adoption completed Monday where the Rays and Chris Archer had a major impact. I asked Hannah Cowart, outreach manager of the Hart Gallery, how the Rays and Chris Archer helped in creating this relationship between Zachary and the Schreffler family. Honestly, it means everything. Um, with I don't know that this family would be without the Rays. We got to bring Zachary down last year as part of a an amazing opportunity, and it was supposed to just be a you know let's show off how amazing Zachary is, and the Rays made it so that Zachary found his family and that he wanted to be adopted, because Chris took such a shine to him and talked about his own adoption. Without that, I don't know that this family would exist, and that's pretty impressive for us to be able to say that. 
I know that the Rays and the Hart Gallery have had a long connection going back to the big game James Club and James Shields, but to have a player who has actually been adopted and is sharing a story, what does that mean to your organization? Well, it makes it a little bit more personal. Ryan and James Shields were instrumental, really, in getting the Hart Gallery where we are today, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't be where we are today without James Shields and the Rays Foundation. But the Rays were incredible, and knowing that Chris is willing to share his story it's taking it from it being just an amazing interest to letting families across the country know that adoption is just part of who we are. It's making it acceptable in our community, and it's talking about the different ways adoption can touch someone's life. And from an adoption standpoint, um, what, what are the things that you're hoping that people are, I mean, around Florida, around the country, are going to learn about this story and, and the message that's going to get out there? Well, first, that adoption is really for everyone. Everyone can do something to help a child in foster care find a forever family. Obviously, I want every child to be adopted from foster care. Our children are no different than every other child you see. They have an extra little layer that adoption and the reason they came into foster care brings them. But every child deserves a home, and that's so important to us that that's the Heart Gallery's tagline. Every child deserves a home. And hopefully, because of the story, we can share that with the world. And how many, just to give an idea for audience, how many people, how many kids from the gallery are adopted on an annual basis or on average? Well, last year we had 43 children adopted, which was amazing for us. And we're coming up on our 300th adoption any day now as a gallery, which is an amazing success for us. How often do you get to say that you hit such a large number? And for us, every child is a success when they find a family. But to have such a beautiful, big, round number like that makes us pretty happy. And Zach's story in particular, what makes him such a special kid? Because Zachary is Zachary. I mean, every child has a story to share, but Zachary is, you know, I think he just got an award actually for being the person most likely to brighten someone's day. And I don't know that anyone could say it better than that. Really, he's a kid that'll brighten your day. And now the Schreffler family gets to say that he brightens their day every day. That's Hannah Cowart of the Heart Gallery. And you can catch more interviews on this adoption on our blog, raiseradio.moblogs.com, as well as all of our spring training audio. Now, don't forget, our next Countdown to Opening Day show is Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. with Dave Andy, as well as guest pitching coach Jim Hickey and second baseman Logan Forsythe. We hope to see you this Saturday at Tropicana Field for FanFest, and we'll talk with you soon. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.